when people trust that you have the capacity to do what you say you do and they already trust you and, and they already know you and like you, it really sets the tone for, for transactions. So the question is this, how do most agents who don't have access to the secrets the top agents in our industry hoard themselves, grow and prosper in today's real estate market? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. Hi, I'm Aaron Muchastegui, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Rockstar Nation, this is Aaron Muchastegui. Hey, I'm so excited to get to interview Robert Pellini from Florida today. The, you know, Robert and I recently connected. He's a new, new member of GoBundance. He has been, you know, doing real estate stuff. He has developed a, an awesome real estate kind of book and curriculum and some different things that he's really been trying to kind of impact the world and impact real estate offices everywhere. I'm super excited to get into it. Robert, thanks for joining me. Thank you so much, Aaron. I am very excited to be on the show. The, so that it is, it's so cool to have you. So right now, so what city are you from in Florida? Palm Harbor. Palm Harbor. And the, we were joking before we started recording that, I, that I've heard right now that Florida is the place to be. It's like the most, most important election state. I, you know, I've, I've heard a time or two mm -hmm. recently. And it's also uh, life is, my understanding when I see in the news, life is somewhat back to normal in Florida. Like are things operating as, as, you know, like it was pre-COVID? Is it kind of like that? What's the real story? Well, it is today, but who knows, right? If the numbers fly out of control, I mean, they'll cut off the restaurants again. But as of a week ago, yeah, the restaurants open like normal. It's just masks are mandatory wherever you go. But Texas, I've heard, uh, we share in that that uh, it's a great place to go and invest, especially in real estate. And we're, we're sharing the same gulf. Yeah. Yeah. The, and Texas is similar stuff right now. Everything is open. We've got, uh, you know, masks when you're walking into the restaurant and go, um, you know, it's been, it's been interesting. A lot of our listeners know that about three months ago, I started an RV trip with my family and we left, went from Texas up through kind of Oklahoma and all the way up to, you know, South Dakota and Iowa and Missouri. And I got to do some interviews with real estate agents along the way. And it has been really interesting to see the different parts of the U.S., and how, you know, COVID has been impacting them, whether it became to how we reacted to COVID or businesses or people moving and changing their, their mindsets and, and things like that. So we went into some states where there was no masks, no social distancing. It was business as usual. I went to other places where everything was uh, completely shut down, um, you know, places where people were very much struggling because they couldn't go to work. There's, there's plenty of jobs out there that people can do remotely, and there are plenty of jobs out there that people just can't do remotely. And so what have you seen with the real estate market in Florida over the last year? I've actually seen it boom and more so in the last six months. In fact, from, you know, the end of March until the end of September, I had the best run of real estate sales of any part of my career since I started in 2015. And I attribute a lot of that to the relationships I've built, which we'll get into, which is part of the philosophy of the book I wrote, Good Talk, Great Sales, which was such a huge launch. But I wasn't alone. When the dust settled, I looked around and, yes, yeah, some people that didn't have those relationships built didn't see a spike. But overall, statistically, you know, with interest rates being low and like many other states, 
inventory um, being low, it's keeping a really high demand on, on real estate for sure. So tell me about that. So relationships is, you know, something that you've been pitching and, and talking to is important to you. How did that convert into huge business? Because half of our listeners have had a huge business, business boom since COVID and half of them have really struggled to figure out, you know, what to do next. So the, what was the key, what did that relationship do? What, how did that turn into a, a sale? Yeah, I think when you're, when everyone's in a crisis and you've got that fight or flight issue, I think the biggest value is trust because people are afraid. People don't know what to do, if they should, why they should. So if someone's using, you know, web bait or advertisements or even door knocking or cold calling, you're not really breaking the threshold of that trust factor in the eyes of the consumer. But when you have a relationship, when people trust that you have the capacity to do what you say you do, and they already trust you, and, and they already know you and like you, it really sets the tone for, for transactions. And even if they're not even sure if they're going to do it, they just want to know if they can. The moment that reality hits that they can, if they can, then they're, they're ready to move right away. So it's trust that, that fuels the, those reactions when you have relationships. Do you have any ideas of a, like a quick way to build trust? Like if somebody, if somebody kind of trusts you because somebody else told them, hey, you got to go talk to Robert and you're having a conversation with a new client now in this, in this world, what are some of the things that someone can do to try to build trust early? That is a very good question. But the, the short answer is you can't do it that fast. I'll give you an example. For let's say my wife, for example, we've been happily married for almost 17 years. And if, if, but if she would have come up to me and, and I went over up to her the moment I first saw her and said, hey, beautiful, will you marry me and spend the rest of your life with me? She probably would have just run for the hills and, and we wouldn't be married today. So trust is something that I think has to be earned, that has to be learned. And, and in real estate, there's this thing called know, like, and trust. And I always, in my trainings, I'm asking agents of the three, what's most important? And almost always they say trust. And on an overall 30,000 foot view, trust is the number one factor. But you can't go in there trying to get trust first because then you'll look shady. You'll be the car salesman, the mechanic, and, and they're really not going to, they'll see right through it. And if you're being honest, you probably aren't being truthful because you have to know more about that person to truly deliver what they need and then earn that trust. So the, the key of all of those three things, know, like, and trust is like. So if you want to build trust with your clients, with your database, with your sphere of influence, do things that are you and that are, help them to get them to like you. Be yourself. Just, just add value as far as earning the likability, having fun with them, you know, whether you're showing houses or you're at a listing appointment, you know, you're not nervous. It's not all about the numbers. I'm always trying to crack jokes. I'm, I'm always seeking ways to make people laugh, you know, cause I know once they get to know the real me and they like me, then the rest is a slam dunk. The trust will come. I like that. So the like trust is the goal, right? Or trust is maybe the most valuable thing that you can have you know, in times of crisis. I love, I love that as yes, in times of crisis, people need trust because they're uncertain and they're uncomfortable and they're going to go with who they can trust. But you're saying, but you can't actually, but trust isn't something you can manufacture. You can't buy that. You can't make it there. So he said, no, like, and trust. So first they need to know you. 
And that's going to be from all, all sorts of different outreach people said. And you said, at the, and at the beginning, when you're doing that outreach, they can't trust you yet because you don't even know who they are yet. Right. So then they, they need to like you. And, and you're saying the biggest way to get people to like you is just to be yourself. The, do you do any sort of extra outreach? Do you have, you know, certain conversations that you do, anything that you do to kind of remind your sphere uh, who you are so they like you? Absolutely. But, but the first thing I do when I meet with a client, especially like a, a seller, is I'm trying to identify if they can sell their home and if they can reach that goal. Most agents would walk in there and just either you know, nervous or, or bold enough just to just try to get them to hire them. They're not even thinking about what the client needs, what's best for the client. So they build up this kind of pressure. And coincidentally, they can't be themselves. And, and half the time, they don't even know it. So they're nervous or they're thinking about, well, all that matters is I get them to sign this listing agreement before I go. And it alters every bit of their behavior along the way. So the goal is to set it up to where all you're trying to do is discover exactly what their story is, what they need, and, and increase that likability just by being yourself. And I don't even actually bring any documents, including an actual listing agreement, to my listing appointments because I just, I know they can change their mind the next day. I haven't really got anything started. I want to release the pressure off them and make it about the first step of our relationship and how I have to know every bit of their story. And then I come back to them with a recipe for success. And that makes my feeling easier from the beginning. It makes the process with them at their house more effective and more transparent and just stressless altogether. But in the end, it sets the tone for uh, relationships down the road and referrals upon referrals uh, upon referrals. Yeah, I like that. Hi, Real Estate Rockstars, this is Aaron Amuchastegui, and I am so excited to share with you our newest head podcast sponsor, You know, and this is a company called Rent Ready. Rent Ready is a landlord-tenant software that has everything you need to manage your rentals from your phone or your computer. No need to be tech-savvy, download multiple programs, or hire a specialist. Rent Ready is easy to use for everyone, and if you do have a question, their customer support team is available to make sure managing your properties doesn't have to be harder than it already is. RentReady has a feature for every step of the landlord process. You can list your vacancy for free to Realtor.com and doorsteps, find quality tenants with a full tenant screening process, send and e-sign leases right from the app, and track maintenance requests. Yes, there really is one app for all of that. Best of all, not only is RentReady easy to use with awesome customer service, but it's affordable as well. Get a subscription of RentReady for as little as $1 a year when you sign up for their annual plan using code ROCKSTAR. That, now that's crazy, a dollar a year, why wouldn't you go sign up just to see, even if you've got one tenant or wanna try it with one of them? So that's right, you get a whole year of Rent Ready for just $1 when you sign up at rentready.com, it's spelled R-E-N-T-R-E-D-I.com, using code ROCKSTAR. All right, so the, and I, I like the kind of no pressure approach to sales, right? So that's definitely kind of a, a mindset. Now, where's the, is there a transition point for that? So that's, you know, so right now it's the first outreach, it's the first appointment. 
hey, what do you want to do? And then do you just kind of play it by ear? Do you wait for them to reach back out to you? Do you, you know, do you have like some specific steps that you try to follow or is everything different? No, in fact, the, the process of the listing appointment is very precise and it's the same for every single person. And there's a call to action at the end. And the, the mindset I'm trying to create is almost a sense of fear that they're afraid I'll forget to send them the listing agreement to sign. And I already know, you know, the basic coverages that, that of the listing agreement that they're probably concerned about. Like, when are we going to start with dates, inclusions, exclusions, uh, the price? To be honest with you, commission is a big part of it, but I almost never get asked that. So it's, I just tell them at the end, and it's something I don't have to rebuttal, which is another beautiful thing about my process because I've been asked by dozens of agents how I do uh, rebuttal the commission. And they look at it like, or they look at me like I'm a really good salesman and, and that's why, but I'm actually not. I've only had two jobs my whole life where I'm actually doing sales. It's more or less, if I did my job right in discovering what they need and what the problem is or what the goal is, and I've labeled back to them that I know that, but not directly, then and I have some transparency in the whole process to them where they understand and come almost like headlights on your car at night. You know, they don't light you from point A to point B. They just get you from turn to turn. And once I've set the tone for that and I've conveyed to them the process that will help them achieve the specific goal or solve the specific problem we've talked about, then the, the commission doesn't even matter. And what they're looking for is to achieve that goal with that process and make that profit, which is the sale price minus the commission and fees. Right. They want to know what, what they're going to end up with. And they want to know, hey, my, my neighbor sold their house for this. Does that mean I'm going to walk? My neighbor sold their house for 350000 Does that mean I'm going to walk away with 350000 And you say, well, no, it's not quite like that. And, the, and I guess most people, you know, they, they understand that. But if you can take control of that situation, it gets to remove the questions from that. I like that. You're answering some of the questions ahead of time. And, and you kind of say, if you've done your job right, then you don't have to do the rebuttal because it, it, there isn't a, a rebuttal. When did you get your license? In 2015, actually, in the very beginning. In fact, I started with Keller Williams in 2015, but I failed my test the first time I took it, which was like the a few days before Christmas, actually. So in 2014, that Christmas, as you can imagine, was quite depressing. But I, I, I rallied and I passed it kind of right after, before the new year, and then and started with Keller Williams right away and ended up becoming the 2015 Rookie of the Year. Wow. And that was that out in Florida? Yes. So the... So what was your first year like? How did you get to be Rookie of the Year? Well, I had come from a 13-year stick of the indoor tanning industry. And being in Florida, people might think that's a little strange. but I would not you know, have thought that actually existed right. out there, yeah. With people's busy lifestyle, but the, the desire to hold the standard of uh, a tan here in Florida, it worked in 13 years quite a bit. We worked it up to about four different uh, locations within all within an hour of each other. And I think that set the tone for the relationship part of things, because if I had to start from scratch, I don't think we'd be talking right now because, you know, calling people that don't know me just to get, you know, just to upset them in the hopes that I get one person that will, you know, take it to the finish line with me wasn't worth it. And so the first six months of my first year, I was trying to tap into that, but lo and behold, 
even the know and like wasn't that good on the trust with something that was different than what people knew me for the last, you know, 13 years. So it was a slow start. In fact, the first six months I only sold three properties, but it only took a few victories. And of course the timing was good in middle of 2015. I mean, that was, I mean, we were riding the bell curve like a, you know, like we're going up a, a roller coaster. Yeah. So the, I just rode the momentum and from the last six months, I sold another 20 homes and ended up finishing my first year with 23 and and that's how I did it. I like that. So the so you took your sphere and your relationships that you'd have from a previous job. If I if I heard this right. So it's people that you met in the tan industry, those are the people that you started to reach out to and said, "Hey, I'm an agent now." Because they know and they liked you, so it made the conversation starter a little bit easier. And that's even as similar as somebody on Facebook going, "Hey, I'm a real estate agent now." Right. So the just getting the getting the word out to their friends like, hey, I know you guys knew me from this, but now I'm doing this. But the one hurdle that you saw at the beginning was because you hadn't done any deals yet. You were a rookie. Right. So the they were like, hey, that's great. that You're doing real estate now, but I'm not going to be your first guy. Like, yes, I know and like you, but I want somebody that's actually good at real estate and you're not good at real estate yet. And then once you've done a few, now they go, okay, now he's good at real estate. And then it really took off. So so for those first three, how do you get those first three people? right? That are, they know and they like you from other stuff, but they don't trust you yet because you're not a real estate. How do you get them over the fear that you're not going to be good at real estate? Because I think so many of our listeners are new agents like that. They are reaching out to the people that they know from their kid's school or somewhere else. And they're saying, hey, I'm an agent now. How do you overcome them saying, yes, but you're a new agent? That was tough. But I, I think if, if anything, it was their mindset, right? They, they just didn't have as much of a fear. Like the one um, gentleman is, is my mentor still to this day, and I've probably sold another 10 properties just because of him. Um, he had a half a million dollar home that he asked me to sell, and that was the biggest trust factor I felt. Um, but, you know, he was also the reason why I decided not to bring listing uh, agreements to the listing appointments because – I sat with him knowing that he called me to do this, even though he knew this was my first house I ever sold. And yet he wanted to hold the listing agreement and read it over the weekend before he signed it. And I thought to myself, if he is thinking that way and he's giving me the trust to do a half a million dollar deal and he's known me for years, then, then maybe a lot of people will think like that. And I really don't want that spinning in the back of their mind while I'm talking to them, while I'm trying to learn about them, and me even worry about what I'm supposed to do with my process if that happens or when it happens. Um, but ultimately, that deal was listed and it sold. And the other two were buyers that were actually customers. So they didn't actually know me well enough to, to actually be afraid. And on the selling side of things, there's a little less risk, you know, but the, the likability part and me being myself and making jokes and walking around with them and, and, and being excited to be there with them and not have a poor attitude and stuff. I think that was, that made the whole experience better. And then that ultimately gave me the confidence to market and then, and then do better and try to learn more and, and offer and add more value. Man, I, I really like that. I like the, the idea of saying, hey, people are going to want to take the time you know, to read something. So then for you, that became, it would, it's almost like it would you know, kill your chance of a listing or if they signed it, they would like regret it. There's a chance that it would you know, hurt that trust. I'm like, hey, you got them to sign something without giving them a chance. So one of the epic ways you got that trust is, is doing there. You know, one of the things that Pat Hyben talked about when I interviewed him on here was taking those first couple deals and trying to say like, 
oh yeah, once you, once he did a deal for somebody, he was able to say, oh yeah, I, I do all the, the firefighters or, you know, I know that one, or, or it was teachers. Like he sold a house for a teacher and then he got to tell him, oh, I, I, I sell all the houses for the teachers. Did you see anything like that that became your specialty? Was there something that you got that started to fill a niche that way? Or was it just, you kept pushing out the effort, letting everyone know you were agents and they came from all walks of life? Is the latter. It, in fact, I haven't actually niched my process until recently because the, the best thing I can offer somebody and the way I title myself is I am a real estate marketing and sales expert. So my key is, in fact, my website is called GetEveryPenny.com. So it, has, it doesn't even sound like real estate, but what do people fear the most who want to sell their house or, or what do they want the most? It's to get every penny. That's the goal and the fear is that they would leave money on the table. So I'm definitely niching that down as a, as a sales and marketing platform to cut through the noise of the saturated, quote unquote, ugly houses in the market and use the transparency of the new real estate world to their advantage and not a, a disadvantage. Yeah. So the, how, many deals, how many deals are you doing a year now? I probably average around 50, but I'm, I'm getting ready to scale it up. I average about 20 million a year and I'm probably at about, I'm a little lagging behind now. I'm probably 15, 16 million. Just uh, me and a buyer's agent that I have under me. So is that your, your whole team is you and a, and a buyer's agent? The, and then, so are you doing mostly, so are you doing mostly listings? That's yes. All right. That's and my forte. So now, so listings is your forte. Most of it is, now is, are all of them coming from your sphere or now is some of them coming from your website and kind of your new branding? It's all sphere and sphere depth. So I got a referral from the mother of a couple that I sold their house that was referred to me from somebody else that was referred to me from somebody else. So we're talking like, you know, when you advertise or you market or you have digital funnels or something, you're constantly performing actions to go wide, which take more of your time and intentional and timely applications. But with the seeds that I plant, that you learn, that people learn to plant by reading the book, you just constantly have an inflow of the phone ringing, of, of depth, of all those other people I've served, you know, before today. And so, yeah, I would consider them still the sphere. But yes, zero of my deals come from any sort of uh, random advertising or marketing. That's awesome. I mean, because one of the questions that we usually ask people is, other than your sphere, how are you getting most of your listings? And you're kind of saying you're working so hard at developing great relationships that you don't need to go hunting outside your sphere. You're staying plenty busy within your sphere and, you know, the people that are, you know, that referral base. You're so much based on playing the long game, building good relationships, building trust that everything grows. The, what was the growth like from 2015 to now? Did you gradually do more and more every year because of that? And like, so what did you, how many did you do the first year? I think you said you did 20. How many did you do on your next year? Well, it actually was pretty stagnant until 2018 because I didn't really kind of quote unquote hit rock bottom in my own world until the end of 2016. So 2015 was great, and I thought 2016 or 2015 was great. 2016 would just roll with that momentum and be awesome. But I had one deal that just had an awful situation happened, and it kind of threw me for a loop. I was trying to correct it, and I kind of ceased on the marketing within my sphere. 
I just spent a lot of time trying to correct that. So I, I, once the dust settled, I didn't have any momentum for new leads. So I finished 2016. I think the last few months, I might have sold three houses. And it, it really caused me to think about, you know, am I, am I happy here in this office at this brokerage? Is the system that I thought was going to work working? And the answer was no. So actually, I finished my second year with roughly the same amount of volume and sales. So it was about 20 to 25 houses. And for the next year and the year before that and 2016, I probably did about six to seven million in volume, which isn't bad. But in Florida, you know, your average purchase price is 250,000 and agents are dime a dozen. There's more agents within a hundred miles from where I am than there are bricks behind me. So that was a huge uphill battle and I was new to the industry, but another caveat that comes from that is there's a lot of people in, in, in that boat. A lot of people are just starting off that know people, right? If they died tomorrow, there'd be a ton of people at their funeral, but they don't really have the money or the resources to start generating the income. But you can do it with who you know and what you have with where you are. But it wasn't until I started with Berkshire Hathaway in 2017, where our, our, my new broker at the time, or still my broker, uh, introduced me to a book by Larry Kendall called Ninja Selling. I'm not sure if you've heard of it, but Ninja Selling changed everything for me because once I read it, I realized that this was my ticket. This was the way that I could generate real estate sales without the traditional cold calling or having a, a spin wheel to win a prize at an open house or, you know, put your business card in a fishbowl or I, I wasn't big on, on the gimmicks. I wanted to be kind of cut and dry with people and, and help them do what they do. And in turn, they would help me do what I do. And then from 2017, after I started establishing Ninja Selling, part of the program is book reading. So they give you like 200 books and I got to like, I bought them all and I was like reading number 15 and a light bulb went off and I just started to put it all together. And then I jumped from, I think maybe 6 million in year 17 to 20 million all by myself. And that's when I wrote the book. Cause I realized, look, I, most people would assume that if, if you're like a Ken McElroy and you've been doing this for 40 years and someone's new, they might assume because they're not him, they can't do it. But I'm new. I just started and I'm afraid of, to even call up a stranger and ask if they want to sell their house. So if I can do it, anybody can do it. And, and that's the beauty of, of Good Talk, Great Sales. Man, that is. So we, one of the things you talked about in your pre-bio was kind of having that moment where enough was enough and deciding you need to make a change. So was that it? Was it the end of that year where you were like, hey, why am I doing all this? And then that made you jump into the new thing and start doing the books. And was there anything else that really helped push you to start, you know, really going out, like, it sounded like you got to a point where you said, you're going to do whatever it takes. I mean, buying 200 books and reading 15 of them is really getting into trying to, like, you were committed. If you were like five books in on this thing, you've got to be going like, there's two, there's 195 left on this plan. So if you're, if you've committed to something like that, you were in it, you're saying, Hey, I'm going to succeed in real estate. Like you made a, you made a, a change of mindset that said, no matter what, this is going to be your career and you're going to, to really work hard. Was there any other motivation behind that or other things that helped? Like, how did you get through 15 books? Yeah, absolutely. And, and by now, I've read all of them and plus some. And that's why I had to write my own, which basically encompasses the best of all of them into a real estate and sales uh, relationship that also is kind of buffered with negotiation skills. 
you know, not the brutal kind, but, you know, relationship building and networking. But for, for me, yes, there was a little bit of another element besides that one transaction. Personally, you know, six, seven million in volume is not bad. I mean, that's low six figures and coming out of the indoor tanning industry, it was fine. But coming towards the end of that industry with four, you know, locations and, there was just a lot going on personally. We had some, uh, some debt. We had uh, sales were kind of going down. I was really distracted because I still had the tanning salons up until uh, the middle of 2017. And I started to, you know, realize that, you know, this isn't good. I mean, I've had the best couple years that I've had my whole life and I'm still kind of struggling. I got to figure this out. And I got to a point where, and I realized that people won't do what they should do just to get what they want, but they will when someone tells them they can't have what they need. And I got to a point where I wasn't worthy of the house I lived in, the cars I drove, or the businesses I owned, and I had to change. So I just told myself I would never do the same thing again that I do every day ever again. I'll wake up and start my day different. I'll think differently. I'll, I'll dress differently, hence the bow tie bobby. Um, and I learned so much um, in reading those books, like the parasympathetic communication. In other words, if, if you're communicating to somebody in, in a way that, you know, there's fight or flight, that they need to know whether you're going to help them solve a problem or achieve a goal, 55% of what you're trying to get across is visual, right? So you got to look like you're, you're kind of in the right spot. 38% is based on your tone and, and tempo of your, your, your words, and, and how when you're gone, that's how they're going to perceive it. But 7% are the actual words that you say. And so understanding that, I just wanted to revamp everything. And then I read another book, which you've probably heard of, as I think he's a GoBro. If not, he should be. But Hal Elrod's Miracle Morning. Yeah. That was it. And between Ninja Selling and the Miracle Morning, I just from the, the first actually – it's been 1,000, I think, in 43 days, but since January 2nd of 2018, I've run one to three miles every single day, and I still haven't stopped. To this day, I'm at, I think I'm at 11, 1,100 miles yeah. that I've run, just committing to the goal, knowing that why, I, I just reminds me of why I'm running and the journey that I'm on. So yes, absolutely, my back was against the wall, but uh, as, as difficult as it was and as, as, as crazy as it sounds, it was 100% worth it. And I would do it over again 100 times. Yeah. Yeah, I know Hal, Hal's book, the, the Miracle Morning, that was a big part of my story. Hal is one of the other members of our GoBundance Mastermind. He's a good friend of mine, uh, lives out in Austin. And, the, and he has his own masterminds behind that Miracle Morning you know, community. So the, and he's been on this podcast before, but for anyone out there listening, if you're having trouble really getting motivated or really if to find enough time in the day to do it. So many people are like, hey, I want to do all that but I just can't do all the things I need to do. Um, you know, his, his solution that he comes up with in that book is uh, super inspiring. He's got you know, millions of followers as a result that it, that have has really changed their life. And the, and I've met so many people that that was a turning point moment. It was a turning point moment for me back in 2015, 2016, when I read that in the four hour work week. So the, so Robert, tell us now, let, let's go into more detail about your book. So you said your book, you pretty much were reading all the real estate books out there. And then you went from 6 million to 20 million in a year. So you went from having an, an average slash good, you know, role as a real estate agent to a great 
production. And it was from those books that you read. So you wrote your own book about how a guy like you can go from, you know, 6 million to 20 from average to great. And the, and you took the best parts of those other books and combined it. What is the, so just, just tell us about your book. What, what's in it? How does it go through that process? And what, if somebody goes and reads it, what are they going to get out of it? Well, it's in three stages. So that's a great question. You know, one is, is the power of thinking and how to think, right? Because everybody thinks their own way and it's based on quite a few things. But success has a very particular way to think and, and look at things. And then also that converts into mindset. And mindset has, been, has always been huge for me. In fact, it started in 2005. Both of my parents died of diseases that I personally believe were brought on just by personal stresses that they just took on their whole lives. They were in the hospitality business, managing and, and uh, heading large groups of people. And they just weren't big on, on processing that stress. And my mother had ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease, out of nowhere. And she was healthy and exercising, ate right her whole life. My father was a health nut guru in great shape. Um, he had brain cancer and prostate cancer. And I just refused to believe that, you know, that stuff was just so random and um, I just thought, you know, mindset is the way. And as I started, and this was 2005, by the way. I mean, I was full-blown in the tanning industry. I had never thought I would do real estate. But once I started reading all those other books, a lot of them were mindset. And a lot of them were talking about how mindset works with the body and the actions we take and the choices we make and what we're willing to do, what we're not willing to do. So I focused on that. I focused on the programming, right? If, if I kept praying a sheet of paper that had a, an error in it, it would not be smart of me to kind of keep erasing the printed paper every single time I printed one out. It would be better to go right to the source, change it, and all the prints after that would be better. But I know there's elements involved in real estate sales and even marketing that require a little bit of an edge above and beyond being, you know, the Mother Teresa of real estate where I'm just so happy and there's no problem and it's like we're, you know, I'm burning incense or something. It's, it's more or less being honest with myself and others to, to identify the need and come up with a solution that's best, you know, for them. And, and that is the, the gist of the book. And so even the, the chapter about negotiating, a lot of people, just the word negotiating, you almost have to be like... Uh, like a Harvard debate champion or uh, graduate from some big sales school or have this intimidating demeanor. But to be honest with you, good talk has an acronym, the T-A-L-K. And it stands for tr uh, truth, attention, listening, and kindness. And those are the four pillars of all communication, including, and it's most impactful in negotiating. And it's so passive aggressive that the other person usually doesn't even know what's happening. And I got it from a book called Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss, yeah. who is a beast. He is a beast. So, it, you know, negotiating for him is, you know, like we're talking international espionage. But I kind of translated it to with mirroring and labeling, and we can get into that too, with the client that just lets them – I also call it, you know um, – you know, speaking without words, it's almost implying that you understand uh, using techniques like that. So even things like negotiating, which are so impactful, I needed to get the, the information out to the world that says, you know, you, you can do it this way and really succeed. 
I love that. So Chris Voss's book, The Never Split the Difference, he was an FBI negotiator, right? Yeah. So like he was a hostage negotiator. And so many times somebody says like, hey, I'll offer you 190. And you go, no, I, I want 200. All right, let's split the difference for that 195. But when he was negotiating for lives, he couldn't say like, hey, that person needs to come to me alive. And they couldn't say, oh, I'll give you half the hostage back. So the, that was the whole concept of he had to win every negotiation 100%. So never, so the, for you guys out there that are thinking some of this, uh, you know, checking out that book as well. The, so Bobby, you have sent us over so many different things we're going to get to share with everybody in our, you know, Real Estate Rockstars toolbox. And so in there, you've got, you know, some, the, your downloadable, you know, book on there. You've got some different kind of forms, some mindset exercises, uh, some things like that. Tell us about some of the stuff that people will be able to go, you know, download and get out of the toolbox, uh, you know, from your system. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. So the the mindset one, I think is great, right? Because to be honest, nobody wakes up in the morning with the agenda to just cause a ruckus in their life. They don't wake up going, you know what, I'm going to cut someone off, make someone mad and, you know, ruin someone's day. But ultimately, or, or ruin my day, but ultimately things happen. So I, I created this little mantra uh, called Ha He Why We. And Ha He Why We is basically the first two letters of four words that are sequential in, our, in what I consider like the new hierarchy of needs, which is happy, to be happy, happiness, health, you got to be healthy, H-E, uh, wise, you have to know something, you have to gain knowledge and wisdom, which is WI, and we, which is wealth. And as you probably know from GoBundance, wealth is not gold bullion. Wealth is not tons of cash or bitcoins. It's freedom. You know, it's even David Osborne says it in his books. You know, it's all about freedom and choices or, or something particular to the person. Maybe it's just sitting on the couch uh, with your family and relaxing without any kind of stress. But that's, you always have to have the end game. Your wealth is your goal, is your why. And you have to have the why. So to, when, you, when people can keep that in mind and, and know that those four have to be attained or focused on every day, then they can, they can stay in the right mindset. So if you know you want to be happy, you're going to start your day off with gratitude. You're going to do things that you're going to feel good about yourself that you've accomplished. For, to, to go back to Hal El, uh, uh, Miracle Morning from Hal Elrod, I have not gone to the gym or worked out after 7 a.m. in three years. And I'm in pretty decent shape. So I used to get stressed out at the gym that, you know, in an hour or two of working out, someone's going to call me or I'm going to need, they're going to need something. And it just messed up my workout and messed up everything. So, you know, I do it, you know, long before that. But the, the, the key is just to working on your, the way you feel of, and, and what makes you feel good. So to be happy, I, once I'm done at seven o'clock and I've done all that, and I know half the people are still sleeping, then I start my day with joy. Even if I wake up kind of groggy, I'll do some breathing exercises or just kind of, you know, some prayer and be grateful for my wife, my children, and I'm happy, right? So let's say somebody cuts me off and now I'm not happy. Well, I know my goal is to be happy. So I'm just, I'm, I'm now becoming more aware of, of why I'm feeling this way. And I, I gauge my what I'm thinking by how I'm feeling, which most people do whether they realize it or not. And I can think, well, does it really matter that this person cut me off? No. I'm driving to work, so I'm making myself better. I know I'm happy because I know I'm, I'm growing and I'm, I'm adding value to the marketplace and I've done all that I've done. 
So then it doesn't ruin my day. You know, what do we have? 86, 84,600 seconds in a day. And there's an old saying that if somebody took, you know, $20 out of your bank account, if they stole $20 and you had $86,400 in there, would you be so mad that you'd be throw away the other, you know, $84,000 or $86,380? No, you wouldn't. So why would someone's two seconds of annoying you get your heart pounding and ruin your whole day and you give all that up? So I just can revert back to happiness. And just knowing hahi why we prevents anything from ever getting to me. But then I also have to know my next responsibility is my health. So if I wake up late, I'm hitting snooze a million times, or I'm feeling groggy, or I'm, you hear people say, oh, I'm so tired, or I don't feel good, or I'm constantly getting colds, right? You know what I mean? Like I just, if you ever had the excuse more than once that I don't feel like it, then in the other books that I've read, I can't remember the title, but it says, treat your health like you're the only one responsible for doing it, because you are. So then I've created a regimen of exercise, supplements, eating right, sleeping well, even the water I drink. I bought a $400 special stone cast Berkey water system for the purest water that I could drink for, for the best health. And then the, the wisdom is to know that I want to read every day. Until 2018, I, I didn't read a book, but just once in a while, and I still didn't finish them. Now I'm reading 30 minutes to an hour a day in a few different time blocks of either an audible or in the morning, I definitely read a, a book book, constantly gaining a, a little edge on, on information. Because if I can get 1% better every day at the end of the year, it'll exponentially boost the capacity for me to serve all my clients. And then of course, the wealth is keeping that carrot in front of me, knowing what I really want, knowing why I'm doing it. And that helps me overcome challenges. And rather than letting those challenges suppress my actions and my attitude, I can stay focused on my goal, grounded by my happiness, which I know is important, my health, which is under control, and the, the knowledge that I'm gaining every single day. I love that so much of your strategy, you know, people are like, how do I succeed in real estate? And so much of the stuff you're talking about is not the traditional things that people hear with that. You're like, no, you want to build trust. You want to build relationships. You want to become a good, happy person, you know, in, in what you're doing. I think that is a, a super unique thing with what you're doing. Now you do, you, you coach people, you, you do trainings with, with big teams, you know, there's even offices and things like that as, as you're growing into and you're kind of expanding out how to really help. You know, you talked before we got on and started recording that one of your goals is that, you know, I mean, you love this stuff so much you just really want to have like every brokerage out there that they want to get, you know, kind of real talk certified that they want to have a, a program. And I can see now as you get to talk about it, why? Because it's not just a real estate training program. It's like a philosophy and a way of life that will, that will pay off in real estate, but also in life. The, so what have you, what are your visions and your plans for that sort of training? Is it, a, is it a lot of one-on-one -on -one stuff? Is it, you know, when COVID opens up being able to go and, and speak, you know, in classrooms, is that a one day thing? Is it a couple hour thing? What are the different levels of training and things like that you're going to be doing? Well, the, the lag goal is for 
all brokerages nationwide to at least know of or incorporate certain parts of Good Talk Great Sales into their training, developing a philosophy that not only betters the agent's business and betters the agent's mindset for a better life, you know, a better relationship with their spouse, with their children, with their friends. It's made me a better father, the principles from Good Talk Great Sales. But the caveat is it's better for the industry and for the consumers. So if you want to talk about trust, most of the time, if someone has anything negative to say about realtors or real estate professionals, it's because they've received call after call of, or, or, or flyers of, you know, just because they're on a database because they owe very little on their mortgage. And yet the end result was, you know, bad results that were all liars and were no good. And, and I don't want the industry, and I'm a third generation realtor, I don't want the industry to be like the mechanics of the 80s. I want people to not have to get phone calls to people they don't like and or people they don't know. And I want them to have great results and, and create a trust factor uh, altogether. So the, the real plan is to build those relationships with brokerages and brokerage owners to do a plethora of different venues, meaning large Zoom events, uh, large you know, face-to-face -face events. I'll speak to a million people if we have a big enough room. Um, but ultimately, I'd like to, my plan is to uh, get together with somebody else to create a digital education and training platform with, you know, maybe workbooks involved, uh, digital training, uh, a video system. My website, Good Talk Great Sales, is the, the beta version of that. It's my semi-professional version of many different topics in real estate in two to six minute videos. That's awesome. So the so people are going to be able to find a lot of a lot of the stuff that you have in our you know in our Rockstar toolbox. Plus, they can go you know to your website and see that for a taste of it. And then and right now, people can start you know I think people will start reaching out to you as you hear this. I can see a lot of different offices probably thinking about how different your spin is on something that's going on. And and just like you said at the beginning, in times of crisis, and I think that the and again half the agents are doing great, half the agents are not the Crisis is here. You know, people are polarized. People are having a tough time. The, you know, everything that I've read is showing that next year in 2021 is going to be more difficult for most people than it is now when it comes to unemployment or businesses closing or jobs changing and things like that. People are going to be having a hard time. Crisis is something that's going on and being able to create that trust and that relationship. The, uh, I, I just love how you pointed that out. So the, so tell us again, the, as we're closing up, what is the, the best, best place for people to find you is, is your website. Any other ways to, to reach out to you? Yeah. So goodtalknation.com is, is probably the best or my email, which you have, uh, or my phone number. I mean, they could even call well, me. Why, do, why don't you go for the guys that are people who are driving in their car and they're not going to see it. Why don't you go ahead and just say what your email is that you want people to reach out to you at? Awesome. It is, it's my name basically, but just the uh, first initial of my first name. So it's R and then Polini, P-A-O-L-I-N-I at B-H-H-S-F-L-P-G.com. Awesome. So we've got it on here and my guys will add that to the show notes so that people see it. So the, so real talk is this book, Robert Polini. I think you were going to do big things and changing the industry with your mindset here. I'm super excited that our agents could hear about that today. And like there's no better time for people to focus on trust and relationships within the industry out there. So it was, so the, the websites again, so you had two different websites. 
Well, it was um, Good Talk Nation is is the main one, but okay. you know the Amazon is where you find the book. Amazon.com. You just type in Good Talk Great Sales. But my YouTube channel, it, it's it's easier to find the YouTube channel right through Good Talk Nation. <laughs> Dot com. So I gave, right. the, I gave them the email, but Good Talk Nation, if you click the, if they click the links, the little social media links in the upper right-hand corner, click the YouTube one, it takes you to the, the location of all the videos, and there's got to be, you know, 50 plus. Awesome. Well, yeah, go on, so people go, go to Good Talk Nation, go check out that YouTube, watch a few of those videos, you'll get to, you'll probably learn a ton from those videos, and it also get to see if you might want to have more conversations with Robert. You know, Robert, the, I can't wait to get to uh, hang out with you at one of the GoBundance events coming up in Tahoe. The good getting to chat with you today, and thanks for joining us on Real Estate Rockstars. Likewise. Thank you so much, Aaron. This was awesome. It was a great pleasure, and I really appreciate you. Thank you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.